Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and prefer not to disclose, back to the Undressing Underground Podcast with kittens and unicorns. Hello. And what is up today? Today we get to talk to Gajan, and if you couldn't tell from his username, he's gay, and also he's half Asian and half Latino, so I really enjoyed this call because, I guess because um, since I'm, he's Korean and I'm also Korean, and so there's an understanding between us, and we get to talk about like, you know, Korean culture within American culture and um i think like he we i share some of his struggles with body image hmm. and then i also got to ask him things you know how his body image like how, what it's like being gay and asian and in regards to body uh what else we even got to talk about gomi again Ooh. <laughs> uh, because he like looked himself up and i was like yikes why did he do um, that? <laughs> it's a, I mean, I get it. It's like this sick desire to see your worst insecurities confirmed by other people. You're like, yeah. yes, it is true. I do suck or whatever. But I heard um, they talked about the podcast on there, but I don't I don't feel like looking it up. <laughs> uh, I can't. I mean, um, I, okay, what else? I don't. Yeah. We also talked. I mean, he shared his criticisms of Jezebel, but mainly the writers, you know, not so much the commentary yet, I guess. And right. yeah, I want to say you guys should go check out the salad bowl. <laughs> it's on the kitchen, kitchen platform because uh, Gajan does these really good beauty posts that I enjoy. And it's not, it's not just like one or two pictures of, um, I'm sorry. And the beauty posts are about uh, different minorities, right? Or people of color. And he doesn't just choose one or two photos. I mean, there's like 10 to 15 different people. And so I found that really satisfying, <laughs> all of it. Like how much quantity there was, but also the the pictures he chose. They're nice. So that's it. I just want to say, I don't know if he gets enough props for his name because that's a really clever name. <laughs> Every time I see it, I laugh. The gauge. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Also, I guess just the regular business bullshit. Uh, next, this coming Tuesday is the Edgar Allan Poe cast. If you want to submit yourself reading an Edgar Allan, Edgar Allan Poe poem, you can uh, email us, tweet us, whatever. All the info's on the website, undressingunderground.com. Just let us know and get it to us by Monday night because that's the night the episode goes up. And, uh, oh, on there, I guess the only gawker person is Jennifer C. Martin. Otherwise, it's uh, noise musician Arvo Zylo, uh who else was there <laughs> there's a oh lesbian avant-garde multimedia artist sarah century uh mother whore is on there and t volpone brennan dumais and i'm sorry for forgetting oh and smudge doing his weird version of the raven 
And uh, yeah, subscribe on iTunes or whatever you use for podcasts if you feel like it. You can also leave us a review on iTunes and make us look like a real uh, property. And I left can... the review. Did you see it? I did. You left it like months ago, though, didn't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that like at least two thirds of the reviews were all from people that have been on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it was like you, Jennifer Z. Martin, T. Volpone, oh, uh, and that was probably it. There might have been like one person I didn't know. I can't remember. It might have been the person. There's that... like so few people that I remember all of them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Just like our subscribers. <laughs> and uh, if you want to send us money, you can do that so we can put it into something or other. Oh, I buy, every time I have a guest on like Sarah Century, I buy their music to put it on the show. Or if I have somebody that wrote a book, I'll buy their book to read it beforehand. So the money goes toward that. And uh, I assume if Kittens talks to anybody that does anything like that and wants it to be known, she would be doing the same thing. So yeah, send us money. Also, just because we're cool and we deserve money, I guess. I don't know. Or I guess one thing. Okay, I should promote someone from my show. Sure. So can you guys go back to Tooth Batard's <laughs> post on the Undressing Underground Tumblr page and click on that YouTube video I linked because that's the kind of stuff he makes. So does he release want... it? Or is it just like YouTube what, videos? Like, does he, does, is he like an artist or is he just like fiddling with shit I on think YouTube? I think he's an artist. Okay. So like, yeah, does he have like CDs or like a band camp or anything? Do you know? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, just if he look does, at his fucking YouTube page, damn! Yeah, all if... these questions, Rob. Just look at Tooth Batard's YouTube page. Thanks. If he does, we'll put it on the music page in the on the website oh, that I, I haven't see, updated in like thirty episodes, but I'll update it with everybody. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. Sorry this intro so long. No, they're always gonna be long. As long as I'm here. <laughs> all right. And here's the gauge. With the regular Asian. Is it weird to call you the regular Asian? <laughs> I don't mean uh, heteronormativity. Alright. The Asian. Bye. <laughs>
and you're just learning outside opinions for your first time. But I will say that there was a lot of like conservative opinions going in. And it's really funny because I'm sitting there like, maybe I'm just an old soul or maybe I'm too much of an optimist. I don't know. Mm, I think that you, it's, there were, I remember when I was 18, there were some people that I thought were so liberal, right? But like now thinking back, they're just as liberal as me now. Mm -hmm. But I do think, I guess, I don't know, you know, like think sometimes I try to remember what it was like. And then you have these like young kids. (laughs) who left their safe suburban homes, you know, where they're not exposed to any sort of hardship or diversity, really, right? Mm-hmm. And then they have strong opinions about everything. But, you oh, know, yeah. it can change. I mean, I, I tend to have more sympathy because my dad is an immigrant and mm. so is my mom. Right. And my grandmother had survived the Korean War, so I have a lot of sympathy for that. When you say that people are upset with, like, you know, you guys helping the Syrian refugees, is it people of color who are upset or, like, white people or is it everybody? It's a pretty decent range, actually. Okay, good. (laughs) Interesting. Um, Does it upset you more when that kind of criticism comes from people of color? Uh, That's kind of a tough question. I think, well, in this case, I'm not sure how other people experience it, but in in my personal case, um, because all these people I've met mm-hmm. are from pretty much the same social class and same background, upper middle class, right? I think it's just upsetting in general. Especially, it's actually to tell you the truth, it's even more upsetting when it comes from people who are Jewish, people who are Korean, hmm. and people who are from Eastern Europe. Fair enough. Um, It's far more upsetting when it comes from them because I'm sitting here like, do you even history? Do you remember? Like, do you remember where your families came from too? You know, and it's. I think I. I think they don't, or they choose. They wish not to. It's like I think a lot of recent immigrants, like including maybe some people in my family too, will. I don't know. They try to actively distance themselves from that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's, I, can't. I feel like they distance themselves from that. I think it's the idea that, oh, maybe if I can just pick myself up and move on, I won't have to ever address it again, and I don't, and it will be away. I secretly, for when I know Koreans who do that, I secretly think it's more because they're just trying to, they just want to be white. That's my, that's my secret when i see it with older koreans who survived the korean war i get the feeling for me um it depends on which type of korean it is if it's the older ones who have survived the war and who are very very much old enough to remember it Mm -hmm. to me it feels a lot like how my grandmother and great-grandmother are Mm -hmm. where they try to actively distance themselves from it and move past it because if it's out of sight it's out of mind well i hope i hope your donation went well though yeah, I'm just bringing it down uh, to them tomorrow, actually. Oh, that's nice. Um, do you... Uh, so, sorry. Uh, I guess for some, for some context, if, if people don't know Gaijin, uh, can you give us a little... I, guess, I think that... Okay, I'm just going to say it. I think you're a little bit younger than most of the commenters I've talked to, right? I think people tend to be mid-30s, 40s, 50s so far? I am 20. Okay. Let's, okay. 
I am so, a good bit younger than a lot of people, and that actually shocked me because usually when I hear a lot of these super liberal opinions, mm-hmm. I usually think they come from people that are closer to my age. Why? I don't know why. It's because of this stereotype, and this is how I lived, um, that when I was younger, I always thought it was always the college students that always had the most like outrageous and uh, out there opinions. True. But I never realized that you see it amongst older people. Maybe you just don't hear about it much. Uh, I don't know, actually. I mean, that's... I, I, I think I've... I don't know if I've gotten more liberal as I've gotten older a little bit. There are some things I've gotten a little bit conservative on as well. Um, I just think when I think college student, it's like that image of a Berkeley protester in the 60s or something. So that might have something to affect it. You know, like Occupy Wall Street. Oh, that too. Um, let's see. Um, have you? I noticed you haven't been commenting on Jezebel all too much, at, or as well, much as before. I don't know. Well, it's a lot of things. It's I have a lot of problems with the authors and stuff, but also at the same time, I've been actually been really busy lately. Mm. I've been taking six classes. Oh God! And Fuck. I am so close to finishing my associate's degree. Like after this semester, I have one class left. Oh my God! Good luck. It's six classes is a lot. Let's see. Uh, what's your criticism of Jezebel then? Since you just said like you have prob- you have like criticisms for the authors, like what would they be? I think the authors are just. It's kind of like they try to see put themselves as journalists, but then at the same time they kind of turn around and act really, really catty to the mm-hmm. commenters because honestly, when I first came there, I came for the commenters. The commenters are a lot of fun and. A lot of times they also add a whole bunch of context. Right. Like today, for example, I didn't really care so much for Kelly Faircloth's like, um, article about the D.C. bike lanes. However, me living near D.C., it was really refreshing to see people in the comments section from D.C. and the surrounding suburbs talking and debating about D.C.'s transportation system, what needs to be done, and adding context to the story that uh, many of the authors of Jezebel do not add. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times this context actually really, really helps understanding. Of course. And this is especially important because of the fact that Jezebel is a very white middle class uh, readership. So it would be nice that especially when they go into, co- into articles about Nigeria and India, mm-hmm. that they add a little bit of cultural context. I think the last one was about um, acid attacks. Um, that ad was not about just showing off this person that's still beautiful even after they've been scarred by acid. A commenter actually wrote down how actually it's also meant to be pushing. It's an awareness ad for officials to regulate the sales of acid in that particular province. Uh, I think I understand what you're saying. You're kind of saying that like Jezebel author, since the commenters add a lot of substance and context to the posts that they create and so that mm-hmm. they should be like when you say less catty i mean that does mean like a little more respectful to their audience and so yes. i guess my question is you do think so then do you think the author should be more mature and like just more mature and neutral when it comes to commenting online compared to just an anonymous online commenter? 
See, the thing is, not so much the problem about what they're writing in their articles, because they're free to have their views and their opinions on their particular articles. However, it's when they come into the comments that it's a problem. Gia is one of the worst offenders at this. Yeah. I mean, I don't... I don't necessarily hold anything against Gia. I'm just saying that when it comes to coming into the comments and kind of causing a mess... She is one of the people who does it the most. Um, more specifically, I remember the maxi, the maxi dress. Yes, Man. the infamous maxi dress. I, I just, I mean, in the majority of the commentary, I was like upset, or not even upset, just a little bit like annoyed with the post because I thought, I mean, the post did sound a little bit mean girl. I thought so, and that's a fair it's, criticism that you should be able to take. It's not that. Hard. It's really, I mean, it's really funny how like. And I think it's, this is partly why Jezebel never puts itself as a, quote, feminist website, even though it does post a lot of feminist stuff. Yeah. It's because some of this, because that would mean that they would actually, if they were really like intersectional feminists and they marketed themselves as such, uh, they would actually still have to answer for some of those really catty posts. You know, they would have to answer for it. But by saying that they are just a woman's, generally a woman's interest website, or generally just woman's pop culture and woman's interest side, mm-hmm. they can get around that by getting around the criticism. It's such bullshit, though. I mean, I asked Yoga Nerd, like, are, do you think the writers of Jezebel are feminists? And she said yes. And I was like, do you think they write about feminist topics? And she said yes. And I asked her, do you think the commentary out at Jezebel, are they feminists? And she said yes. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, they really can't say that they're not a feminist website. I mean, they are. I mean, the thing is, like, Technically, they can be, but the thing is they don't market themselves that way. And it's mostly, I get the feeling, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that it's a way to get around that criticism, if they do basically fuck up. It is a way to get around the criticism, but just because you're a feminist doesn't mean you aren't interested in celebrity gossip. You know, I mean, that's like a little, like a 10% or more maybe of Jezebel is that, and they do a lot Mm -hmm. of like shit talking on celebrities. But, I mean... I, what's I, I don't know I'm a little bit more I, I I enjoy doing that it's like one of the things I enjoy doing online is shit talking celebrities mm-hmm. but um I don't know another thing I ended up reading once is mm-hmm. because it's out of curiosity because sometimes the Kinjiverse provides me some really strange and somewhat funny but also kind of odd moments where there's the GMOI thread. And for some strange reason, I just get—I was just out of pure curiosity. I clicked into like Gijin and GOMI, mm-hmm. and I found some criticism of me. And the thing is that when I read those criticisms, I thought they were actually quite true, and I should probably um, stop doing some of those things. Oh no! Wait, you, did you just wait? <laughs> You went and Googled Gomi and Gaijin. Why? Just to see shit about yourself? <laughs> I mean, I relate. I do that too. <laughs> so unhealthy. No, it was just a healthy curiosity. But the okay. thing is that the people were actually quite nice. And the funny thing is that it was a pretty legitimate criticism. And now that I look back on it, and I look back on some of my earlier posts and mm-hmm. earlier comments, I recognize that. Yeah, I was doing a lot of really attention horse stuff. Oh, is that what they said? What was their criticism of you? It's just that they said basically that I could be pretty annoying, especially because 
there are times where I write really hyperbolic stuff and I end up getting into spaces where I shouldn't. And I recognize it as pretty true. They didn't say exactly what, but when I thought about it some more and looked back at some of my old comments, then yeah, it's a pretty legitimate thing. They were actually being very nice about it. I think it's good that you can be self-aware and criticize yourself, right? And then apply that criticism, which is another important step. But I'm also going to say, like, man, fuck those people. Because, I mean, you know, like, if you comment, you're going to get criticism. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, does, someone's always, you're always going to upset somebody. Someone's not going to like you just for who you are. And um, just fuck that. Which is understandable. But sometimes right. it's nice to kind of figure out, like, if you are pissing people off. And sometimes I do like figuring that out because mm-hmm. having Asperger's, I'm not exactly aware. So I try to do stuff to try to fix it as much as possible. I think too, when you apply criticism, um, that's always commendable. Uh, I think not, not a lot of people do that. It's really actually difficult. Um, okay, on that I note, mean, granted, it kind uh-huh. of sucked at first. But then the more I thought about it and it gave myself some time to think, the more I began to realize that, yeah, that's true. And then... Once you sometimes when you accept that criticism, if it's valid, right? It then it actually makes it hurt less. Yeah. The their the power goes away. Um, I can't explain it better than that. But uh, let's see. Okay, let me ask you this. I I was looking through your comments, right? And so I did see that I saw you were in a discussion about not the, about groupthink and that you didn't quite fit in there. And so. Now I segue into the salad bowl, but why do you feel comfortable with the salad bowl and why don't you feel comfortable at groupthink? And if your discomfort at groupthink, is your discomfort at groupthink similar to a discomfort at Jezebel? It's not exactly the same thing. There are other things that with groupthink. The problem with groupthink, though, is that when I first commented there, And by the time I stopped commenting there, there were quite a few really good people. But then the more I thought about it and the more I started reading some people's posts, then I started realizing that some of the things that they're doing is pretty toxic behavior. And then by complimenting them and stuff, I felt like I was feeding into that behavior and I didn't want to do that. Um, I I don't even know. There's so much... There has been drama that has spun out of groupthink. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of the, there's a sub blog. It's really terrible, but I liked it when it would sh- show up. It's classic groupthink. But um, like I didn't even understand. I couldn't even begin to like research or decipher into what all the fights were about. You know, I really made an attempt. Um, Some of them were just quite random, and I was like, oh, oh, okay. I, from what I understand, did the salad bowl was created because it broke off from groupthink? From what I know, yes. I see. Okay. Um, and you are a poster at Salad Bowl, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, so tell me, why do you feel comfortable there? I don't know, because there's a lot of people who have been through similar situations to me, and then I feel comfortable being around other people of color. Mm-hmm. Not in the sense that we're always going to be in solidarity with each other, but we have pretty uh, related experiences with each other. I think having a common experience and having related experiences, even if they're not exactly the same thing, is quite helpful. Right. Um, I wanted to ask you, 
so in the salad bowl, you have these people of color beauty posts, and I really enjoy them. Um, just because, like, you know, there's not even, like, you don't just post, like, three, two or three photos of people of color. It's a lot. Like, you have a compiled, like, seems like 10 to 20, you know? Um, and the range and diversity of looks is so amazing too. And I also do, I really dig the fashion. Um, so I guess, are you into fashion and why do you think your people of color beauty posts are necessary? I think it's because a lot of times that we never see them. It's usually due to lots of things like structure and an internalized bias that we almost never see them. I mean, it was kind of scary to, for me to go look up just the word beauty and to see the vast majority of uh, white faces in there. And it was really strange because it's not exactly representative of the population at large. Like, it's very, very hard to find uh, Asian male models, for example. It's very hard to find. In fact, the closest one I found that's pretty well-known in America mm isn't really even a model by professional career. He's Eugene Yang from BuzzFeed. Um, I, I'm so used to not seeing Asian people ever. I, and this, sound, this is going to sound terrible, but I'm so, I'm so used to it. It doesn't really upset me. Like There's a tiny bit, tiny little resentment inside me that's burning, but I just kind of like push it aside because... But I guess maybe it's different for me, though, because I grew up in places where there were a lot of Asian people, and I've pretty much been surrounded by Asian people my entire life. Well, I have, too, though. No, I definitely grew up oh. on Asian people my whole life. Just, oh. I just never see us on TV or on the movies or in books or in magazines. So. For me, um, it was a nice thing to see fresh off the boat. Um, the But the funny thing about it is that people like, oh, fresh off the boat is problematic and stuff. But at the same time, I can kind of get it, though, that it is going to be kind of problematic because it's the one of the few Asian-centered TV shows. And granted, when there's so few of them, you're more likely to notice when things are problematic. But the thing is that we kind of need to have a starting ground somewhere, and then we can work and improve off of that foundation from there. That's true. Um, Sometimes I wish... I mean, obviously, I wish we could have more minorities playing more roles. Um, I don't know if you listen to Serial, the podcast, but, like, one of the things I liked about that podcast was that, like, with the exception of Sarah Koenig, who was white, like, all the main characters were minorities. But, like, not that it really mattered. I mean, it sort of mattered to the storyline, but, like, it, it just showed me that you don't have to have, you don't always have to have, you know, you can have minorities play roles. And it'll be okay. And you can have them play emotionally complex roles. I mean, I just finished a novel, um, A Little Life, by, oh, gosh, her name is so long, but I think it's Hanya Yanagihara. And she is a Japanese Hawaiian who wrote a novel about these four queer men and their lives from when they're in their 20s to their 50s. And it is quite good. And what I like about it is that I think it's one of the first really, really great queer novels in the sense that not only are three of the main characters men of color, they also talk about abuse, violence, 
um, they talk about assault, they talk about uh, relationships, and they also talk about attraction and fluid sexuality that even people in the queer community don't usually talk about, hmm. which is nice. Granted, the graphic descriptions of abuse and sexual assault are actually quite traumatizing, right. but it's a very well done. Um, well, what was the name of the book again? A Little Life. A Little Life. Okay. Okay, I'm going to ask you this. So in your discussions and posts, I notice you talk a lot about health, but also about body weight. So then as a gay Asian man, what do you want to talk about? Can you tell me about your experiences with body image? It's sort of a weird thing because I'm caught between uh, two worlds. The thing is that, yeah, ethnicity-wise, I'm half, but um, in a sense, I mostly identify as Asian, mostly because of the fact it's the culture I grew up mostly around. Like, I didn't meet, meet my father's family, large parts of my father's family, until later in life, mm -hmm. and I mostly hung around the Korean side of my family, and... My dad was always away at sea. So just for this a little bit of background. So I got exposed to a lot of Asian beauty norms of feeling really weird because I was darker than the other Asian kids at school. Hmm. And it just, it kept on felt very alien to me. And then always feeling very odd because a lot of them were very, very tall and thin, lanky. And meanwhile, I got, I was short and kind of stocky. And I couldn't really change that. I was always kind of muscly, and I couldn't change that. And it just felt weird because it didn't fit in like the other people, you know? Mm -hmm. And especially it didn't... And the thing is that in my relationship with body weight and stuff is even further compounded because I'm pretty sure you as a Korean know this. When Koreans get together, we just eat. Yeah. Food is like... Look, food is the center of a, of a, of a social gathering oh, amongst Koreans. I don't understand how food is a central component of like a social activity, all social activities in Koreans. But like the first thing my relatives always say to me is if I've like gained or lost weight, usually gained, but they always comment. I know. And Ugh. it's such a weird like conundrum, you know, because there's like, it's a great example is my grandmother. My grandma's like, look, if you get too skinny, you're never going to get a boyfriend. But if you eat too much, you're never going to get a boyfriend. So I'm like, what do you want me to do? I know. They're just... You know, um, uh, do, and it's so weird uh -huh. to try, and it's so weird to try to lose weight, especially when so much of your culture revolves around food and lots of it. And it's so, and it's so weird to have all your relatives judging you because you're just trying to lose weight and not eat so much, but then you feel bad because you know grandma cooked this, so you gotta eat it. Um, they do. They definitely push you to eat more and more. Are your parents, what is, are your parents then? Yes. Oh, okay. Do they give or give you shit? About body image, I guess? My mom does, my dad doesn't. Oh, yeah, right. My dad doesn't really either. My dad actually could care less, actually. What does your mom say to you? My mom's like, see, my mom tries really hard to get me to be smaller. 
But the funny thing is that if I get smaller than her, she's going to try to lose weight too, and that's a problem. I think she has some... She See, it's not OCD. It's more like compulsive tendencies. What do you mean? Like, like why would your mom lose weight if you lost weight too? It's kind of like the always being ahead and always being at the top. You know? Is she competing with you? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well. I mean, I mean, she's gotten better. But, you know, when after my grandfather, and I think it has to do with a lot of, like, how she deals with issues in her life. When she gets stressed out, she doesn't eat. I mean, mm-hmm. after my grandfather died, she literally lost 30 pounds in three months. Wow. That's a lot. And really quickly, too. She went from being, like, 185 to 155. And she is slightly about one or two inches taller than me, too. Mm-hmm. And now she's like at 128. Um, have you come out to your parents? Yes. Oh, yeah, I think you mentioned somewhere. But like, uh, what, what, how old were you and what was it like? You know, it was really, really funny because my parents saw it as no big deal at all. Oh, that's they're so just nice. Like, no, they're just kind of like, you're still the same. I mean... See, we were, it was kind of like the, we were worried that you were, that you were going to tell us that, like, you were going to have a child or something. Oh. How old were you when you came out, though, to them? Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Damn, you knew. I mean, everything, every, I, like, everyone knows. I mean, I kind of knew. I mean, there was this really, like, strange story from when I was little that a lot of people in my friend group was like, yeah, we remember this. So here's a story. I was drawing, okay? Mm-hmm. I was drawing on a piece of paper, and I was drawing a, p- a girl at the beach. Um, but I was drawing her in a bikini because she was at the beach, and she was supposed to be swimming and stuff. But then my, fr- my girlfriend is all like, you know, that's not how you draw boobs. So, and we're sitting in the cafeteria, but in the corner. So she pulls on the front of her shirt, and she's like, this is what, it, what how they look in a bikini. And it was really funny because I just, she said, I just stared and said, that's nice, dear. You can put them away. You said, those are nice, dear. You can put them away now. How old were you? This was when, also, at the beginning of eighth grade. Oh, okay. And it was really funny because she said, that's how I knew. And I'm like, okay. That's weird, but okay. When you came out to your friends, well, how old were you when you came out to your friends? It was the year after. Oh, so you came out to your family first. Wow. That's, I mean, it's just different. I mean, I, for me, it's just because of the fact that maybe I'm just so close to my family mm-hmm. that that might as well. But the funny thing is, so far, I am the only gay cousin. And considering how many cousins I have, statistically, there has to be two or three more. Mm-hmm. So I'm playing the waiting game. So I know this sounds terrible, but I am playing the waiting game. Someone else. Someone else. Yeah, they no, like, statistically, with how large my family is, statistically, there has to be three or four more. Um, do, are you dating anyone right now? And do you date within your race and outside it? It's, it's complicated. Because it's sort, of, it's sort of uh, getting in the midst of starting out. But I date outside my race and outside of my religious preferences. I am an atheist, but guess what? The person that I'm sort of starting a thing with is Muslim. Okay. I mean, it's so weird. Like, it's stranger than fiction, I know, but it's happened. 
let's say someone wanted you to get serious with them. Like they could, they, they you, you really love someone, right? And yes. they were like, I love you too, but I can't get serious with you. And like, like a commitment, you know, forever commitment, unless you convert, would you? Honestly, like, no, I mean, I, that's just how I am. It's like, it's something that has always been and it, doesn't really change. Okay, what if I they mean, were like, at least, if, even if you don't believe, you have to at least, like, go with me to... Like, let's say you're dating a Christian, because it's easier for me to use this example, but, like, they were like, you... Even if you don't believe, like, I still want you to come with me to church every Sunday, and our kids will be raised Christian. Okay, now, that might <laughs> be... A, that might be, like, a, kind of a strange sticking point, but that's what? probably... I think it's because of how I was raised. My mom is a my mom's family's Buddhist and my dad's family's Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. They just decided to let the kids uh, just decide on their own. Oh, so that would not so it wouldn't be okay if somebody was like they have to be raised Christian or they have to be raised Muslim. Yeah, it wouldn't be okay. I mean, I'm completely religiously tolerant. I just I would actually just rather than my kids have the choice. They have the ability to choose. Right. Interestingly enough, my grandma is Buddhist and she never like, uh, she doesn't, she never even like makes me or talks to me about her Buddhism or like makes me try to change my ways. Whereas my That's mom, pretty much the same thing with my Koreans yeah. and my family. They're pretty much all Buddhist or believe in Buddhist ideals. My mom is really Christian and keeps trying to change my grandma. It's just like, it's not going to happen. Wow, that's so awkward. I know. Oh, uh, my grandma, my, my grandma when i visit her in korea like she'll wake she wakes up so early and when i'm still jet lagged we'll do the buddhist ceremony like at 5 a.m it's i don't know what she's doing but i can smell that she's lighting something and these like little she's lighting the incense and, and little, little drums are being played right and then yes. she starts praying and my mom she goes oh, i can't listen to this satan shit she's hilarious <laughs> oh, no. she's, so, she's over the top but so my quest so what was the question i had asked you yikes you basically asked me, like, if I'm dating anyone right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I answered this stuff about dating outside my own religion. And also, yes, I date outside my own race. Oh, okay. So do you date Do you date Asian guys? You know, surprisingly, considering the number of Asians I have in my life, mm-hmm. I think I've only dated one. Interesting. You, have you I dated think... half Asians or, like, only one full Asian person? But is that I think I've only dated one full Asian person and maybe one or two... Uh, part Asians. Interesting. I think for some strange reason, the only reason why I was with that full Asian guy was because we were very, very close in high school. And it was, okay, this sounds so pathetic. It was a sympathy thing. Mm. I was that sympathy date. What do you mean? Like, I was the one who was all mad that I couldn't get in a relationship and he dated me out of sympathy. Um, I I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I Basically, don't he dated all. me because he felt sorry for me. I, I don't know if that's true. How do you know that's true? I just get the feeling that it was. Um, are you sure that feeling is not just something you kind of want to believe, but it's, you're not sure? I'm not sure of it, but I still get the strong, nagging feeling that it was. I mean, it's funny to look at now, but at the same time, when I was that age, it was, I was like, oh my god, it feels so pathetic. He's only, dating me be, he's only dating me because he feels sorry for me. Oh my goodness, come he's, on. He's only dating me so he can stop hearing me bitch about everything. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. Come on now. Come on. 
Um, so are you? So you're not dating anyone right now? You said it was complicated. Yeah. Why? It's because he's busy and he's got his job, and I'm busy with school mm-hmm. full time. Right. Do you, uh, I don't want to give away where you live, but do you want to, after school's over, do you want to remain living there? Do you want to go to different cities? What's going on? I'm not sure yet because it's, I mean, it's so far away. I mean, granted, I did horribly my first year of college. I was sick. I was mentally ill and didn't get any therapy or treatment and it was and I transferred to a new place near my family where I was stable, got mental health treatment, uh, learned coping mechanisms, and then my grades improved, and I recovered from that other physical ailment. I mean, I got better. Um, I feel, I, so for me, like, anything can happen between now and then, so I, I don't try to make grand plans for the future. I kind of try to take it a little bit as I go. Are your parents, I mean, this might sound stupid because, like, you are mixed race, right? You're half Asian, half, what's your other? Latino. Latino. Um, are your parents, like, open with everybody you date as well? Or have you ever heard them say, like, criticize any races or religions? I think they try to remain as neutral as possible. Interesting. Because it's basically as long as I'm happy and as long as I have a stable and loving relationship, they're completely fine with it. As long as have stability, as long as it's loving, and as long as um, there's nothing uh, abusive or manipulative about it. Right. I mean, that was a, we all hope. We all want that. Um, let's see. I mean, hell, my parents and many other commenters, when they hear about who I'm potentially dating, um, they gave me advice to make an emergency fund for myself, which for me, I've already done. And my parents say, look, you know, if, if shit happens and falls apart, you know where to call. Which is where? Your emergency fund? Yep. What is it for, though? I don't really understand why you're getting... Basically, money. if I've moved in with a guy oh. in a far way and shit goes down, I have enough money to buy me food, water, and rent for a couple months in a different city. Interesting. I see what you mean now. I mean, that fund has reached like almost $1,500, so. So, yes, I come prepared to the relationship. If shit happens, I'm leaving immediately. Why do you feel, it sounds like to me, though, why do you, why do you feel like you, was there anything that happened that made you feel like you need to be prepared? Um... You know, when I first started out commenting on Jezebel, I started being open about some of the abusive stuff that happened to me when I was throughout high school. And I had a horrible relationship in high school. And so, and luckily, like, I had some great teachers and great friends who really supported me throughout the entire thing. Having a safety net for me is very, very important. I mean, because when I was also younger, too, there was a lot of shit that happened. When I was little, uh, a teacher just left me in the corner in the classroom all the time and never let me talk to any of the kids or go outside. Never talk to any of the other kids. I sat in a desk facing away from the rest of them. Why? I don't really remember why. It was just, I think she just did not know how to deal with someone on the spectrum. So because of a lot of this crap that happened in my life, I've kind of learned 
uh, to keep an emergency fund for myself just in case shit gets really bad and I need to leave. I mean, it sounds really paranoid, but for me, I see it as just being prepared if the worst ever happens. I mean, it's not a bad idea. It's, it's just nice to have a little money anyways saved up. And I've, and yes, and even though I want to take vacations and stuff, and I could do so with that money, because $1,500 is not a small amount, mm-hmm. I just kind of force myself not to touch it. That's so hard. I mean, I, kudos to you. I, it's <laughs> not touching it's that so money. It's so hard not to touch it. Yeah. Like, like, it's so easy for me to be like, you know, I can just pay off all my academic bills and stuff right now. But no, I'm not touching it. That is the emergency fund. Mm, let me ask you some just questions about Kinjanel. Let's see. Why? Okay. Why do you enjoy commenting online? And specifically, I guess, like Jezebel or the Salad Bowl or just on the Kinja platform. Well, the Kinja platform makes it very easy to comment. It's a hell of a lot more accessible than Discus is. And the bold function actually helps emphasize some points, especially if you have a long comment that has a lot of information in there. You can bold some things or quote some things or highlight some things to make it easier to read. Interesting. Granted, it's very buggy, especially when you want to recommend someone. And I've had a hard time trying to bring people out of the grays because what would happen is that it would not take my star. I'm like, take my freaking stars. Why don't take the stars? So I kind of found myself going like, God damn it, Kinja, take the stars, okay? <laughs> um, let's see. What Do you think there's differences between Gawker and Jezebel? Yeah. What? <laughs> I think Gawker commenters are much more, I know this is going to sound really asshole to say, but Gawker commenters are much more brash and they're much more gallows humor focused. That's true. Like, it sounds really weird to say, but yeah, they are very, very brash and they're very, very, but in a way that I don't comment on Gawker, I think I've only commented there once or twice, but I find that Gawker commenters in general are much more brutally honest and they're much more brash and then that's what makes them fun but sometimes it goes a little too far or gets dangerously close to crossing that line however they're quite a bit of fun i do think so i think i mean look i personally don't say really fucked up stuff all the time but i certainly laugh with them so i i, I think sometimes like when they say fucked up jokes and stuff it actually kind of uh releases the tension you know it does. It can. Um, I just. I know that that's. I know. I'm more and more noticing like the distinctions between the commentariats, you know, and not just Gawker and Jezebel, but Jezebel tends to be pretty hyper. No, I think it's more w- discussion based, though. Like, let's. To be fair, Je- Jezebel has like a lot more discussions, whereas I think Gawker is like, it. It is more for the jokes or. Yeah, people tend to go to job to Gawker for most of the jokes, the fucked upness of it all, and just, like, the humor, or the really, like, fucked up humor. And I think that's what why people go to Gawker. When people go to Jezebel, um, it's either for some of the cute stuff, especially Mark. See, Mark's is really lovely, and he's one of my favorites. Or some of the more discussion-based stuff, like Anna, Anna Pose. And I feel so bad for Anna sometimes because she keeps on having to apologize for that Rolling Stone article. Right. 
Does she really keep on having to apologize? Oh, yeah. For a long time afterwards, for a couple of months afterwards, she kept on having to apologize. Every time someone would kind of bring it up. I, I mean, mistakes are never forgotten online. And That's true. And there's, like, mistakes that Jezebel has made that I'm, like, remembering that I'll never forget, too, you know? And, and mistakes Gaku has made that I'll ne- we'll never forget. And like, so, we'll never forget yeah. the Jordan Sargent article. We'll never forget that. No, we won't. Um, how can we? I mean, Max left after it. It really changed a lot of things after that. Um, I was just kind of sitting back like, I cannot believe you just posted that. Why the hell would you post something like that? I mean, I wasn't really upset. I wasn't upset. Or I wasn't outraged. I just didn't understand. Like, what did I, I was more like, wait, why did like, I, why what, did what I read this? Behind this. Right. Um, what? Okay. So what's the perspective Gaijin brings to Jezebel or to the salad bowl? Variety. <laughs> okay. And can you be more specific? I think because you see me uh, do um, lots of health-based articles, then you'll see me write stuff about fashion and stuff. And then you'll see me just kind of rant about some things. So it's kind of like a weird variety of things. And it all just depends on like how I'm feeling that day or like what I see, depending on the day. Oh, here we go. Tell me who your favorite commenters are. Uh, my favorite commenters... You know, this is going to sound really weird, but some of my favorite commenters are... You know, okay, now that's... Gonna, God damn it. Uh, Story 645. Okay, Story 645. That's one I can think of off the top of my head. Um, think about people ima- on the salad bowl. Uh huh. Imaginary Fiend. Imaginary Fiend. Uh, just Passing Through. Wonder Womanist. And, uh, Melanin Monroe. I mean, this pretty much all my favorite commenters are in the salad bowl, and I think that's also part of the reason why I got attracted to there. Okay, let me do the final question. What do you, how would you describe Gaijin using three separate adjectives? Distracted. Uh Uh-huh. Insane. And... Confused. Nice. Wait, distracted, insane, confused. That the image in my mind is like you're like ah, ah. it's so cute. All right, well, Gaijin, thank you so much for doing this call with me. No problem, actually. All right, and uh, good luck um getting all those donations out, and I will see you around Kinja. And I will hopefully survive my exams next week. Oh yeah, good luck on the exams. Good luck. Ugh. You know, I just feel like the freaking Hunger Games, you know. Like, may the odds be in my favor. I never understood the worship of coffee until now, so. <laughs> As Koreans say, fighting. Fighting. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, Gaijin.